Hey, well, listen, December is here. Actually, turn in your Bible to Matthew chapter 7. While you're turning there, December is here. The Christmas holidays are just around the corner. Some of y'all are still getting healed up right now from what I said earlier. We have a prayer ministry at the end of service. They'd love to talk and pray with you if you need it. But uh, 2024 is knocking at the door. And so let's finish this year strong. Amen? That all that God has for us. We're not only coming to the end of a year, but we're, coming, we're getting ready to graduate from the Sermon on the Mount University. We've been on an intensive since February. Live, in person, not online schooling, every week live in this class that we've been going through, learning a deep dive. If you're first time here with us, we've been in a deep dive of the greatest sermon ever that Jesus preached some 2,000 years ago on a hill surrounded by tons of people, and we've been just going through it verse by verse, line by line. It's found in Matthew 5, 6, and 7. And here's my encouragement to us today as we have the final teaching on this. We've got a couple of special services coming up for the next two weeks that's going to be under the umbrella of Sermon on the Mount. But today's the last final live teaching on the Sermon on the Mount. And here's my encouragement to all of us. I would encourage you to read the Sermon on the Mount at least once a year. And see what the Holy Spirit shows you. Because we've learned a lot. Let me just do a real quick broad brush recap. And I mean real quick. We learned at the beginning of chapter 5, we learned about the blessed life. Somebody say blessed. Blessed. The blessed life which comes from the Beatitudes. Blessed are you when. And then we received God as we moved out of the Beatitudes. We received God's blueprint there in mid-5, chapter 5 there, uh, about sexuality and purity. And then when we finished that journey, we... Again, all in, all, in the, all in the Matthew 5, 6, and 7, we, we received a greater understanding about the power of prayer with the combination of fasting and how God's called us to pray and fast all the time, not just once in a blue moon. And the, and the revelation, we learned about the power, somebody say power, the power of prayer and fasting. And then we learned how to be good stewards of God's stuff. Come on, somebody. Because it's all God's, everything we have, including our own children, everything that we have, Money, stuff, it's all God's. And he's asked us to move from being an owner mentality to being a steward. And then we got a fresh download on the golden rule. It was so good. And now we know the importance as we closed out. We know the importance of looking both ways. About eternity, heaven and hell. And here we are ending it today. And and here's my prayer, our, our prayer for the mill and for the Big V, I call the Big V Victory Church and all of our campuses, that, come on, listen to me, that we didn't just hear, somebody say hear, we didn't just hear good information on how to live the Christian life, but we took it in. We took that God, I call it God info, we took that God info inside because God wants to change us from the inside out. Let's quit worrying about what we look like, image and all that stuff. That doesn't do anything. God wants to change you from the inside out. And the way that happens is you apply the truth of his word to your insides and to your life. You get it inside, you're going to live it outside. And so here's my question that the Holy Spirit brought up a couple days ago, and I just could not get away from it. And this is, he, first it was to me, because I've, I've, I've listened a lot, but I've also preached a lot of this whole year. Is, here's the question to you. Did the information you heard over this, this year, did it produce transformation in you? Or was it just information? Oh, I pray that it brought transformation. 
I pray that you are encouraged. I pray that we all apply these truths to our life. Amen. That we, that we walk this thing out the best that we can. We're going we're gonna to fall down at times in our life. We're going to make mistakes. But that we would just keep growing in our walk with Jesus. Amen. Because listen, we've got to get this. It's not enough just to hear it or even know it. We've got to do it. We've got to live it. Come on, it's like Nike, just do it. We, we just gotta, we gotta do what we know and what we've heard. We gotta do it. And so, one last time, Matthew chapter 7, 24. Let's look at it together. Oh, look, it's 24, 27. I just, I just picked that up right there. I'm not kidding, I just saw that right now. This is the Lord. I'm sorry, guys. No, I'm not. But uh, let's look at it together. Come on. Can we read this together? Let's go through it. Here we go. One, two, three. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house. Yet it did not fall. Because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rains came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. If you're taking notes today, the title of my teaching is Sustained through the storm. Sustained through the storm. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, we welcome you now to come a little closer. Your presence is so already thick in this room. We want to learn from you. And I ask that you speak through me. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Sustained through the storm. The reality it's all of us, you, me, everyone in this room, and those who are watching us online now and later, we're all going to go through storms. It's unavoidable. But when we build our lives on Jesus as our foundation, listen to me, listen to me it's very important, and live his way. Don't just build it, you got to live it, you got to do it. When we build our lives on the foundation of the rock who is unshakable, Jesus, our foundation, and we live his way, the promise is that he will sustain us through very difficult times. Now, we got to get the difference here because a lot of people don't think this way. Look right here on the screen. This is the main point of today. God does not promise to spare you from the storm. He promises to sustain you through the storm. God does not promise to spare you from the storm. The storm is coming. All of us, Lisa said it, she brought a great word a couple Sundays ago. She said we're either in the storm, going into the storm, in the middle of the storm, or coming out of the storm, our personal storms. There's also big storms that affect all of us. COVID was a big storm. It affected all of us in some fashion or form. All right. So you got your personal storms that we're fighting through. And then we got the big storms that hit us as a nation or as a state or as a people, as a church. And, but God wants to sustain you through the storm. He wants to get you to the other side, and he will in Jesus' name. 
Listen, I know you're not going to want to hear what I'm about to say. My flesh don't like it either. But here's the truth. We will take a beating in this life because Jesus says, somebody's like, that goes against my doctrine, pastor. No, listen to me. It's very important that we get this. Anyone tells you anything otherwise, it's actually not true. Because Jesus said himself, the winds will blow and beat against that house. Who's that house? You and me. So 52 years young, 27 years married, we've gone through some storms. And they hurt. And there were times my knees buckled. And if it wasn't for the grace of God and the people of God, I wouldn't be standing on the platform today. So I'm telling you, the storms are brutal. They're brutal. And Jesus gave us this this warning. Lisa called it, I love the language, a cheat code. Hey, I'm trying to prepare you. The storms are coming. And so, but he's saying, I will sustain you through it. And it's going to beat you. You're going to take a beating along the way. But here's the key. You will not fall. You will not crash. You will remain standing. Come on, you might just take that beating here and there, but the Lord will be propping you up. Because when you live God's way and you, you literally have your life built on the rock, the word of God, he will sustain you. Y'all know me, I'm a dictionary guy, so let me give you the definition of sustain. Look it up later. I would encourage you to go there. It was very interesting. I'm just going to give you the top three parts of the dictionary meaning. Sustain means to support the weight of, I love this, to prop you up. To keep you going. I mean, I could just see, like, for me, I'm a picture person, so the storms that we've gone through, the storms that you go through, I mean, you're just, you're taking it. It's head on right in your face, and it hurts, and you're just like, oh, my gosh. And it's like the Lord is right behind you holding you up. And for me, whispering, saying, son, you're going to make it. Chris, Lisa, you're going to make it. You put your name there. Family, you're going to make it. You're going to make it. Hold on to me. Hang on. It's going to be a rough ride. Come on. It's going to be a rough ride. But hang on to me. I'm going to get you to the other side. When you build your life on Jesus, I cannot say it enough as we bring this to a conclusion. When you build your life on Jesus, he will hold you up through life's crashing waves. I'm going to go back to my childhood. I have a very vivid, embarrassing memory uh, I, I grew up in Dothan, Alabama, for those that don't know, which is 70 minutes from Panama City Beach. So as a kid, we went to the beach all the time. My dad would get up on a Saturday morning, and he said, I'm not going to work today. He was the owner, and he'd just say, I'm not going to go to work today. I'm taking my family to the beach. So we'd even go for a day trip, you know, just play and hang out. And uh, something you do as a kid and even as an adult is you like to fight those crashing waves and see if you can stand. Anybody done that before? You're just fighting if it's all you can. And I mean, you get knocked down, you get back up. And sometimes you find yourself even being moved. You're trying to stand still, but you, you're moved. And all of a sudden, hey, why is the condo way over there? You know, it's just the current and the waves just hitting you. And I remember one time I was out there with my dad and we're just running around. It was one of those gray, cloudy days, kind of like today. And I mean, the waves were really strong and, and he, he kept me pretty close because of the undertow, and, and I, that wave hit me one time, and I stood there, I was like, ah! not realizing that my britches were totally gone. <laughs> I'm just like, ah! and my dad's over there, grabs the thing. I mean, it hit me. Come on, sometimes the waves will hit you, and you don't know what's going on. I'm just like, like I conquered that wave. Oh, my gosh, you know, went underwater real quick. I'm telling you, listen, thank God my dad was right there. And, but I'm, but we gotta, we got to recognize and understand this. The waves are going, they're not only coming, they're going to hit you. 
The storms are here, and listen, as this is what we're going to dive in today, there are greater, darker, more violent storms coming. And I know that's not encouraging, but I'm telling you the truth. But we will make it through, church. We will make it through. You will make it through. If you cling on to Jesus, live in his word, and listen to me, and live his way. That's the key. I don't know what you were told when you became a Christian, but it's not all rainbows and Skittles and lucky charms. All right? It's not a problem-free life. You make Jesus Lord and everything's going to be great. Yes, inside, but there will be tough times that we go through. Actually, Jesus said it like this. You will, in this world, you will have tribulation. That's the actual word. I know we don't like that word. So like, ooh. But then he said, but be of good cheer. But he didn't leave it there because it's like, I'm not going to be cheerful about tribulation. But he said this. I have overcome the world. In this world, you're going to have tribulation. That real word there is be encouraged. I've overcome the world. I've overcome those storms. Tribulation meaning great trouble or suffering. That's what that word means. So he's saying we will go through those things. Anybody tells you otherwise, they're not telling you the full truth. All right? But there's grace, somebody say grace, and supernatural strength as you have your feet planted on the word of God and you live his way. And I want to tackle a lie real quick before we dive into the meat of this message. There's a lie out there that says that because you're going through a storm, it's your fault. Or you're a weak Christian. Or you don't have enough faith. And can I just tell you, that is what I called it earlier. It's a lie. Because Jesus said it will rain on the just and the unjust. The godly and the ungodly. We will all experience storms. So that's not true. I mean, every single person on the planet will experience violent storms that will come at them. And and here's the thing. There is no smooth sailing in a storm. I don't know if you've ever been in a storm on a boat. It is, man, you'll get seasick real quick. But here's the deal. we got a captain on our ship or on our boat, and we lean into him, and we hold on to him, and we stand on his words because he's going to get us through the storm to the other side. The waters may rise all around you and they may look quite scary, but you will not drown in Jesus' name. You'll get through. You will get through in Jesus' name. Amen? The stormy seasons of our lives, it's, it, it can be a, a real test. It can be a real test of your faith because you're, you're getting hit. Your faith will be put to the test. My faith has been put to the test of the years, and I know it will be again. Especially at times when you feel overwhelmed and you can't see your way out. Like the, 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 The waves are so tall. Just picture with me. The waves are so tall, the storm you're in, you can't see your way out. And that's why we gotta be people of the word of God. Because our God can see. And he sees, he sees the end from the beginning. And that's why he says, hold on, you're gonna be okay. And I don't know what waves are hitting you today or what storms you're, you're passing through. I mean, there, there could be all kinds of things. A, a health crisis, diagnosis given from the doctor. There could be a broken relationship between a son, daughter, mom, dad, family member, sibling. Been there, done that. Financial situation. Several people in the last few weeks, I've gotten texts from church members who have lost jobs due to inflation and cuts. That's a storm. Out of your control. It hurts especially if you've been in a place for a long time, a family crisis, 
All kinds of things, all kinds of storms. I could go on, go on. You get the picture. And as the waves continue to pound on you and pound on you, I'm telling you, been there, doubt will come a-knocking at the door of your heart. But I just got to say, we cannot let it in. Be honest with God about the doubts, but do not let doubt come in because right behind doubt is this ugly cousin, unbelief. And Jesus could do only a few miracles in some towns because of their unbelief. Jesus. I want you to think about that. I've been there before. Maybe some of you in the room have been there before where you have asked this question. I know it's been in my journal. If I went back to my old notebooks, blew the dust off. I hadn't read them in a while. But like, where are you, God? I've asked that. And can I just say God can handle that question? God can handle that question. He can handle your anger. He can handle your disappointment. We need to verbalize that stuff to him. Church, I don't know why. I'm off notes, but some, I'm, somebody needs to hear this or somebody's. Quit pushing down the stuff that God wants to take from you. Quit suppressing. Be honest with the Father. He can handle it. He can take it. If you're even saying, where are you? And there's been times that I didn't get an answer right away, but after a while of holding on, I saw him, and I saw what he was doing. I was being tested through the storm. And this is why we've got to anchor ourselves in Jesus, amen, and in his word and in his house. So when the stormy winds and waves hit us, we will remain standing. Come on, remember that old hymn? I grew up with the hymns. On Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. I want to go back to the house for a second. You got to be you got to literally build your life on Jesus and his word and live his way, but you need to also be planted in his house. And this is why if you're a first-time guest as Pastor Chad uh, honored you guys earlier, man, we're glad you're here. If not here, find a place that you can call home and plant yourself there. Because you need the body of Christ and the body of Christ needs you. We need people to lift up our arms. People that have already gone through the storm, they may have their own storm, but they are there with you holding up your arms in the spirit as you go through your own personal storm. A lot of you know this, and I'm not going to park there, but I, Lisa and I went through a very demonic, dark storm 16 years ago. Now, this is, not, this is one of many, and I think I could write a book like, Why Me, Lord? You know, <laughs> And the storms, but God was doing some some deep stuff in my life. And 16 years ago, I went to a normal Monday night elder meeting like every Monday night. And, and again, I've told this story, so I'm not going to dive onto the, the, the details of it, but I do want to highlight something about the family that you and I need. And come to find out, at the end of the elder meeting, they skipped me. I was going to give a report. I was a youth pastor at the time. God was moving and grooving and doing awesome things. And these two elders of this 10-man room began throwing out false accusations about me. And I'm just sitting there taking it like, at first I thought it was a joke. And then I realized, no, they're being real. And one of the many crazy accusations that I was teaching young people astrology, and I'm literally sitting in the chair like, what? What are we talking about? I, I, I literally, I'm a pretty emotional guy. I began weeping because I had never experienced anything like this in my life. By the end of that meeting, I was fired over false accusations, none of them true. And so one of the elders that actually voiced and, and literally stood up in front of everybody and said, this is not true, this is not Chris Frith, I don't know why we're doing this, um, he took me home and we both cried together on my couches. We had to tell Lisa the news. 
Didn't get any sleep that night, as you can imagine. The next day, listen to me, this is what I want to key on, not what the enemy tried to do. The next day, my house was packed with church folk. And they, I mean, I remember I was sitting on the couch. I was surrounded in the living room with men of God that were encouraging me and speaking because I was a zombie. I mean, I was, I was numb. I was angry at church. I was angry at God. How could you let this happen to me? What, how did this, I mean, just, you can imagine if you've ever gone through something like that with false accusations, you, you're just like, what in the world? And, and they were just speaking life over me and encouraging me and say, God's going to get you through. I mean, all the things I needed to hear but didn't want to hear, hello, because I was so angry. I remember going to the bathroom and walking, seeing the kitchen and the breakfast table, and the whole kitchen was packed with those men's wives, and they were in there holding my wife and speaking the word over them and over her and worshiping. And I mean, it was just incredible. That's called family, and that's called church. Somebody said the night that I was fired, they said the spirit of murder was in the room and it was to murder the calling on your life, Chris. And almost did. Almost said, done. I'm done. This is church. I don't want it. A week went by and they found out that everyone at their own little private investigation found out everyone the accusation they said was untrue and the two men that started the whole ruckus were removed from the church and I was rehired. As painful as that was. God still, come on, God will defend your name all the way. But you got to hang on. You got to hang on. My point is, I could not have made it without those brothers. We need brothers and sisters in the Lord who will be there with us and walk through us and will point us to God, our rock, our refuge. He's got to be our refuge because the storms are just going to get more violent until Jesus takes us home. They're going to get darker. I'm not doom and gloom guy. Y'all know me by now. I'm just telling you, this is true. It, the Bible tells us we're entering into those days. We're seeing scripture become alive of prophecies. It's going to get darker, and we got to hang on and live God's way no matter what. And the only way we can do that is make him our refuge. Amen? Amen. Look right here on the screen. Psalm 46 says this. God, you're such... Oh, I love this. Somebody needs to hear this. God is safe, people. He's safe. He's the only one that's safe. God, you're such a safe and powerful place to find refuge. You're a proven help in time of trouble. He has proven himself over and over again. He is more than enough. Come on, somebody. More than enough and always available whenever I need you. So we will never, ooh, not even not, we will never fear even if every structure of support were to crumble away. We will not fear even when the earth quakes and shakes, moving mountains are cast into the sea. For, look at this, for the raging roar, and it is loud at times, of stormy winds and crashing raves. Come on, say this with me. Cannot erode our faith in you. I'll say that last part again. The stormy winds, those stormy violent winds and the crashing waves cannot erode our faith in you, Jesus. I want us to take a look at a person who went through some serious stormy trials. If you have your Bible, now go, over to, go back, actually, to Daniel 1. Daniel 1. We're going to take a look at this. Daniel, man, he went through some stuff. And I'm going to make 
three stories along with three tests that you and I are either going to go through or have gone through or they're coming, three tests, because we're, listen, we're, we're, we're graduating today from the Sermon on the Mount, but we got to understand we are in this world and we are constantly going to hit by these storms and the trials that we'll go through, and we're going to pass every trial and every test, amen? I mean, he went through some stormy stuff along with him and his three friends. And he came out every time, or they came out every time, better, stronger, and greater on the other side of the storm. How did did Daniel and the three three Jewish boys, how how did they do that? It's because they built their life on God and they lived God's way. So we're going to take a few minutes and learn from Daniel. Now, let me just uh, preface this by saying this. uh, Probably about a month ago, I think it was, Pastor Johnson uh, spoke on Daniel and when we, uh, as campus pastors, got together, we get together every week and pray, especially when there's live preaching. And we, we just said, you know what? Those three tests that you gave those young people, we need to give it to the whole church. So the three tests that he highlighted to our young people, uh, this is going to come from me, but those three tests we're going to look at together because the whole church needs to hear this. All right? This is, this is very important. Now, before we read Daniel 1, let me give you quick, quick backstory and backdrop. Due to Israel's constant rebellion against the Father, the Lord allowed, listen to that word, allowed Babylon, which was the ruling empire and the state of that time of the world, they were the powerhouse, to come invade and destroy Jerusalem. I mean, the big walls burned to the ground. The temple destroyed and they, took, they killed a whole bunch of people, especially the older ones, but they took the, the best and the brightest of the younger and took them into cap- captivity. Daniel and the three that you know, they were with all those Jewish boys. And they took them into captivity, and listen to me, and they immediately enrolled them in the University of Babylon. And they did that to change them. They enrolled them in the University of Babylon and gave them all the culture of Babylon because here was the plan. I want you to train them and teach them in three years of the Babylonian culture. And at the end of year three, they will start working for the king. Now, Babylon was not only a city and a huge empire. It was a wicked society full of sexual morality, astrology, magic, and false gods, many false gods. And they were literally being bombarded with that every day like they were in school. Things were put before their eyes and and even their stomachs, everything. They were trying to change them so much, listen to me, that they even changed their names so they would not remember who they used to be. So Daniel became Belshazzar. Let me make sure I get this right. And the three boys, which their original names, their Jewish names, their God-given names were Mishael, Hananiah, and Azariah. And they became, their Babylonian names became Meshach, come on, Shadrach, and Abednego. So that's what's going on. That's, that's the backstory. Let me just pause before we read this, because you may not realize this, church, but we're all enrolled in that same university. Somebody asked recently, they were reading the book of Revelation. We're going to be doing a study on the book of Revelation uh, next year. Somebody said, is America Babylon? No, America's not But the spirit of Babylon operates in America. It is a demonic spirit. The spirit of Babylon is active more than I've ever seen it in my 52 years. It is in your face like nobody's business. It operates through nations. It operates through governments. Remember what it is. It's an antichrist spirit. 
It operates through false religions. It operates through individuals. It is anti-Christ in nature. I can't stress it enough. And it works completely in opposition to God and his ways. And these are some of the storms that we're starting to see in front of our eyes. And the more violent ones that are coming. Are you with me at 11 a.m.? Our faith, if not already, is about to be put to the test. And that's why we've got to make sure that our lives are firmly planted on the rock of Jesus and we're living his way the best we can so that we can be sustained through the dark, violent storms that are coming. So I'm going to give you three tests, as I said earlier, all right, that we're in this school of Babylon. But listen to me. This is important. I should have said this earlier. We may be in the school of Babylon, but we are not of it. We may be living in this world, but we are not of this world. We are aliens, strangers passing through. I'm a blood-bought son of the king. So I may be in the system, but the system is not in me, in Jesus' name. Amen? So I'm in the school. I live here, and I'm going to do everything I can. I say I, we. Somebody say we. We. We're going to advance the kingdom of God while we live in literally around Babylon. First test in Babylon is this. Are you going to live like Babylon? First trial, first test. I could give you more than three, but we're just, we tried to sum it down to three. Are you going to live like Babylon? Let me ask you a question that I just got asked over the weekend by the Holy Spirit. What do you do when you're trying to live godly, but everything and everyone around you is telling you to do the opposite? What do you do when you're trying to be a godly businessman? You're trying to be a godly husband or wife. When you're, when you're trying to raise a godly family, what do you do when you see everything around you that is ungodly? What do you do? It would be easier just to go with the crowd. And so Daniel, as I already said, bombarded by Babylonian culture for three years. And somewhere early on, one of the things he was bombarded with, he and uh, the three, they were Bombarded with a daily ration of all kinds of food and wine. It was Babylonian cooking. And, <laughs> and much like grandma's, I guarantee you it was probably good stuff. That filet mignon wrapped in bacon was probably staring Daniel in the face. That's my favorite, by the way. And, uh, and it looked good and it smelled good, but it went against Jewish faith. But listen to me, it wasn't about the food, it was about the obedience. It just happened to be food. It's a test. And it looked good. And so Daniel, as good as that filet mignon wrapped in bacon looked, Daniel said, not going to do it, I can't. Can't do it. Knowing that it could get him killed. Even his officer that was over them was like, man, you're going to get me killed. But God had been clear with Daniel and the boys of how he wants people to live and what to eat and what not to eat. Again, it wasn't about the food, though. It was about conviction. It was about obedience. It was about this. Am I going to live like God or am I going to live like them? And so they said no to probably what was incredible cooking. Daniel, again, I'm making a long story short. Daniel makes a, a deal with the official a test almost to speak, and says, if you'll give us 10 days, just me and my three friends here, we're going to do vegetables 
and water ugh, for 10 days. I was like, Daniel, could you, you know, anyway, so vegetable and water for 10 days. It's very important. Understand that number, 10 days. And you test us and see how we look in comparison. So the guy agreed. Let's read it together, the rest of this story, right here on the screen. Let's, right here on the screen. At the end of the 10 days, somebody say 10. At the end of the 10 days, Daniel and his friends, his three friends, looked healthier, there it is, and better nourished for the young men who had been eating the food assigned by the king. By the way, the rest of the young men were also Jews. So after that, the attendant fed only vegetables instead of the food and, and wine provided for the others. God gave these four young men, uh, uh, look what happened when you honor God, God honors you. God gave them, and uh, go back if you don't mind, you got ahead of me a little bit there. Uh, God gave these four young men an unusual aptitude for understanding every aspect of literature and wisdom. And God gave Daniel the special ability, so here it is, it comes right here to Daniel, to interpret the meanings of visions and dreams. When the training period ordered by the king was completed, the chief of staff brought all the young men. Can you see it? They're all lined up in front of the king. Uh, to the king Nebuchadnezzar. The king talked with them, and no one impressed him much as Daniel and Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. So they entered the royal service. Whenever the king consulted them in any matter requiring wisdom and balanced judgment, look at this, he found them ten times more capable than any of the demonic magicians and enchanters in the entire kingdom. Why? Because God's kingdom is always greater than the devil's kingdom. Amen? And that's true, but the way it happened out loud for everyone is Daniel and the three men honored the Lord. They passed the test. And better was on the other side of the storm. Daniel and his three friends, they knew this. They knew that God, how God had called them to live. And listen, so they chose to disobey Babylon and not disobey God. Again, I can hear Daniel saying, I might be in your system, I'm enrolled in your university, but I'm not going to live that way. And God honored them. Why? Because they honored him first. Amen? It's huge. So the second test in Babylon, so the first, well, oh, wait, I'm sorry, I, I didn't get to give you the answer. So the first test, are you going to live like Babylon? The first answer in Babylon following that question is, come on, say it with me, I will not compromise. Let that get in your spirit. Can we say that again? We're going to live this way. Come on, in Jesus' name. So we're going to be asked all the time, hey, just, just go along with the flow. Just go along with the flow. Be like everybody else. Are you going to live like Babylon? Here's our answer. One, two, three. I will not compromise. In Jesus' name and by his strength. Amen? The second test in Babylon, that question, is are you going to bow to Babylon's beliefs? Are you going to bow? Somebody say bow. Are you going to bow to Babylon's beliefs? Listen, there are storms coming that we see. We see them coming, and we prepare. But then there are other storms that they come out of nowhere. Anybody know what I'm talking about? What, the story I just told you about my life 16 years ago, that came out of nowhere. I didn't sense anything coming. I didn't know about it. I didn't hear about anything. It came out of nowhere. Those storms will happen at times. Other times, you'll see the stuff coming. The ones you don't see coming, I'm going to call it, like, it's like a pop test. 
don't know about you, but I hated pop quizzes and pop tests. I never did very well. All right? But the people that always did well were the ones who were reading the book and prepared. They were like, bring on that pop test. I was like, um, can you help me with the pop test? So, but pop storms, pop test trials are going to come our way. It's, it's happening right now. And you don't have time to go back and read the Sermon on the Mount. When it's happening in front of your face, the question is, what are you going to do in that moment? Well, here's what I know. We're not going to bow, and we're not going to bail. Amen? This happened in Daniel 3. And Lisa did such a great job talking about it. We're going to look at the result of what she talked about, where where the king of Babylon had this crazy, selfish idea to build up this 90-foot statue, 90 feet, 90-foot statue of gold, and... Here's the crazy idea with it. Sound, when the music plays, everybody is going to bow and worship this statue. And by the way, if you don't do it, you're going to die a miserable death in a fiery furnace. And so the music plays. The whole nation drops to their knees, including a lot of Jews, except for three young Hebrew men. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Somebody's like, where was Daniel? I think he was on sabbatical. <laughs> I don't know where. I'm going to ask the Lord. I'm going to ask Daniel, where were you? You know, I know he wasn't bowing, but he might have been on vacation. And the king is furious when they go rat these three boys out. He is ticked off. Bible says, one translation said he was irate. So he calls those three young men, Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego, in front of him and says, right now, right now, I demand that you worship this statue. And they're, they're very honoring in what they say to him, but they basically refuse. And I mean, Meshach, Shadrach, they do not bow. We will not worship that statue you set up. We will only worship God. They refuse to bow, knowing that they're probably going to die. And they even said, God will protect us, but if he doesn't, we'd rather go down and die in that furnace than bow to that stinking statue. Because they knew God had their future. God has, God has you. Listen, there are people, I didn't say this tonight, I wish I would have thought about it. There are people today dying for their faith. We're so blessed in this country. But church, I'm just going to tell you, it's not always going to be this way. I'm sorry. And we've got to build ourselves now for what is going to come. And that just grabs and hurts my heart as a daddy. But I'm raising my kids the best I can and trying to lead this church the best we can so that we will stand through the stormy trials that are coming. In Jesus' name, amen? (laughs) Nebuchadnezzar, just like the devil, is livid. The Bible says his face contorted. He became like the Hulk, and he orders the furnace seven times hotter than normal, killing all the soldiers trying to throw in the tide, boys. He just throws them in. And let's look how God sustained them. You still here? Let's look at it together. But, right on the screen. But suddenly, come on, suddenly. They're in the fire. I mean, this had to be crazy, guys. I know some of us have heard this story since we were kids. But may the reality of this become new in your mind. But suddenly, Nebuchadnezzar jumped up in amazement and exclaimed to his advisors, Hey, hey, whoa, whoa. Didn't we tie up three men and throw them into the furnace? Yes, yes, yes. I can see them all nervous. Yes, your majesty. We certainly did. They replied, look, Nebuchadnezzar shouted, I see four men unbound. Now look at this, walking around in the fire. 
It's like everything's burning. You're just, just walking around. Man, that looks so painful. You know that, but they're not. They're not being burned. They're not being hurt at all. Unharmed. Uh, and, and the fourth looks like a God. Now, we don't know what is happening right here besides we know that's Jesus, but we don't know what he's seeing. But I just, in my mind, something's got to be different about this fourth one. He's got to be glowing with the glow of heaven, all right? And look at right here. Then Nebuchadnezzar came as close as he could to the door of the flaming furnace and shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, servants, look at this, his language has totally changed. Servants of the Most High God. Come on, when you stand for God, you're going to change other people's lives. <laughs> Servants of the Most High God. Come out. Come out here. Come here. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego stepped out of the fire. And you would have thought like their clothes have been like smoking a little bit, their hair a little fringy. Look at this. The officers, the officials, the governors, the advisors, they crowd around them. I can imagine all the animals crowd. I mean, everybody's like, what the heck is going on? The crowd around him and saw that the fire had not even touched them. Supernaturally protected from the flame. Talking about a, a shield, a force field. A heavenly force field around them. Not a hair. Not one hair. Not a hair on their heads was singed. And their clothing was not scorched. They didn't even smell of smoke. Come on, that's our God. I can't think of any kind of worse storm than that. That is the worst storm these young men went through. That would be the worst storm for us, death by fiery furnace. Yet they came out alive and even not even smell like smoke. All because they refused to bow. But I remind you, there are still people that die every day for Christ. And that's why they said, even if the Lord doesn't protect us, we will not bow. Let's get personal for a moment. What are you bowing to today? I first got asked this a couple days ago as we've been studying. What are you, what are I, what are we bowing to today? Years ago, decades ago in America, it was quite easy to stand for things that were biblical, good, and true. But today, those views... And let me tell you, what's coming is even going to be worse. Those biblical views, those good and true views, principles of God's word, can be and will be considered hate speech. There could even be a day that I won't even be able to say some of these things. I will say it, but I could be fined or worse. Just like everything else around the world. Hate speech. He's fined. What used to be widely accepted... Church is now widely rejected. I'm looking over the, the scan of, span of time over the last six decades. The winds of society, listen to me, the winds of society used to be behind our backs. Now it's hitting us hard in the face. We used to have the wind behind us. Christian nation, family, all the things that I could brag on about God. Now the very opposite of an antichrist spirit is hitting us in the face. Again, the culture of society, which is driven by the spirit of Babylon, straight from the pit of hell, tells us to bow down all the time. I'll give you just a few examples of, I could go on and go on, not want to waste your time. It tells us, listen to me, to bow down to any political agenda that is anti-God and anti-word. To bow down to those things. 
abortion, LGBTQ+, God loves every single person and wants to see every one of them saved. But those things, those whatever you want to call them, lifestyle choices and policies that could be one day forever in our nation, those goes against the word of God. God's healed people who've gone through abortions, who've done abortions. God's healed people who've gone through whatever, sexual identity, crisis. God can heal us of anything. Come on. Sin is sin in the eyes of God. He healed me. He can heal you. He can heal anyone. But we do not bow. We cannot bow to the idol of of, of politics. We cannot bow to the God, mammon, spirit of money and materialism. We cannot bow to the spirit of perversion that is so rampant today. You're like, I don't bow to that. What are you looking at? Let's get real personal. Because when you don't bow or you say, no, I'd rather not, or I can't do that, you're, being, you're called a hater. You could be called intolerant. You could be said that you're on the wrong side of history, and you'll be thrown right into the fiery furnace of rejection. And when it comes down to it, ultimately this, right here on the screens, ultimately we bow to whatever is on the throne of our hearts. So the question maybe should be, this this is where it all ends, who or what is on the throne of your heart? Oh, I pray that it would be Jesus. Amen? Amen? Do you fear God or man? There's some people that bow to insecurity and fear of man. God delivered me from that years ago. Do we bow to God or do we bow to Babylon? Here's the answer to the second test before we move into the final test. I will not bow to the beliefs of Babylon. I will not bow. I will not compromise by the grace of God. I will not bow to the beliefs of Babylon. I'm not going to be in people's faces. I ain't going to be holding up a sign saying you're going to hell. I'm going to love you. I'm going to pray for you, but we may not agree. You may hate me for it. You may want to cancel me for it, but I'm going to love you anyway. I'm going to try to show the love of Jesus to you just like Jesus loved people at their worst. Come on, Jesus talked to people that no one talked to and loved people that no one loved. But I'm going to believe God and I'm not going to compromise by his grace and I'm not going to bow to anything that has an anti-Christ spirit on it. If it goes against God's word, I'm only bowing to one God. His name is Jesus. Listen, I'm saying a lot of I because I'm the one preaching, but I pray that I becomes you. Because at the end of the day, it's going to be like Joshua when he was looking at all of Israel. As for me and my house, we're going to serve Jesus. We're going to serve the Lord. Amen? Third test. As we get ready to bring this to a close. The third test in Babylon, the University of Babylon. Are you going to leave God when life gets hard? There's a lot of people, the Bible says, are going to depart from the faith. Not in this room in Jesus' name you got to have something deep in you. I will not, by the grace of God, by being a man of God in the Word, by living God's way the best I can, even when I make mistakes, I will not depart from the faith. God, help me not depart from the faith. Amen? Amen. Daniel's an older man now. 
He's lived for the Lord. He's been favored by God. He just keeps being promoted. He probably thinks the storms are, are well, they're for the young people. <laughs> he's proved himself more capable, the Bible says, than any other person. All the high officials, he's up there. He's so, God's promoted him so much that the king wants to make him number two to him, King Darius now. It's a different country, different empire, Persia. But out of jealousy, the other officials, man, they're trying to find fault with Daniel, and they can't find anything. They're looking to criticize. They can't even criticize him. They can't condemn him. The only thing, listen to me, the only thing they can pick Daniel's part, uh, part of is they, they can pick at his faith. Come on, somebody, listen to me. May the only true accusation against us be that we love Jesus. Amen? That we live for Jesus. They're not going to say, oh, that gossip in church. They're not going to say, oh, he's one way here and he's another way at church. No, they, they'll have no room by the grace of God because we're living for God that the only thing they can say is, well, they love Jesus. And for some reason, they're real kind to me. Oh, man, let it be. So these haters of Daniel, really out of jealousy, they go to the king. Another crazy idea. Like, what are these people thinking? ridiculous. You can only pray to the king for 30 days. That's it. You can't pray to the false gods. You can't pray to God, uh, Jehovah. You can only pray to the king for 30 days. And the king agrees to it. He's kind of talked into it. And the scriptures tell us that Daniel hears a decree. He hears it. And that's when he gives up. No. You know what he does? He does what he always does. He goes home, the scripture says, and he prays. And he thanks God, knowing he could die. Because if you don't pray to King Darius, you're going to be thrown in the lion's den. But Daniel knows who really holds life and death. And so he prays to that one like he has, the Bible says, like he did every day. Look right on the screen. Daniel remains the same person regardless of the severe storm. So the haters tell King Darius and reluctantly... King Darius, because he really loved Daniel, he saw the favor of God even though he didn't know God. He saw this on Daniel, but reluctantly he throws him in because it was law. And the Bible says that Darius loved him so much that he fasted all night, like hoping that Daniel would be alive. Next morning he runs to the cave or the den and he yells out, Daniel, are you there? Hoping for some reason the lines were full that night. And Daniel surprised to everyone. Look, let's see how God's sustaining him right here. My God, this is Daniel speaking, my God sent his angel to shut the lion's mouth so that they would not hurt me. For I have been found innocent in his sight. Listen, wrong things will happen to innocent people. Part of the storms. But I've been found innocent in his sight and I have not wronged you, your majesty, the king was overjoyed and ordered that Daniel be lifted from the den. Not a scratch was found on him, for he had trusted in his God. Then the king gave orders to arrest the men who had maliciously accused Daniel. Not the same outcome. He had thrown them into the lion's den along with their wives and children. The lions leaped on them and tore them apart before they even hit the floor of the den. You know why? Because they were really hungry. The whole next, the night before, they were looking at Daniel going, mm -hmm. but they couldn't open their mouths. But they're like, mm, that piece of meat looks good. And now they tear them apart. They're dead before they hit the floor. 
Then King Darius, and this is what blows me away, sent this message to the people of every race and nation and language throughout the world. Persia was running the world at that time. Peace and prosperity to you. I decree, look at this, talking about law. I decree that everyone throughout my kingdom should tremble with fear before the God of Daniel. For he is the living God. He's becoming a believer. And he will endure forever. His kingdom will never be destroyed and his rule will never end. He rescues and saves his people. He performs miraculous signs and wonders in the heavens and on the earth. He has rescued Daniel from the power of the lion. That's our God, church. That's our God. So the third answer in Babylon is this. I will live for God no matter what it costs. I will live for God no matter what it costs. Again, hear me as we bring this to a close. I'm praying that information doesn't just stay information in your heart, but it becomes transformation. God sustains his children who build their lives on the rock. Family, please remember this truth. When you build your life on Jesus and you obey him the best that you can, no matter what violent storm comes your way, God will sustain you. God did not spare Daniel and the three from captivity. He sustained them through captivity. God did not spare the three from the fiery furnace. He did not spare them. He sustained them through the fiery furnace. God did not spare Daniel from the lion's den. He sustained him through the lion's den. God does not promise to spare you from the storm you're in and the storms that are coming, but he does promise that he will get us through to the other side, that he will sustain you in the storm. Amen? Can we pray together? I pray in this moment with all of us, every head bowed, every eye closed, is Jesus your rock? Is he your refuge? Is he your life? Jesus is the only one that'll get us through. There may be people here today that you're away from Jesus or you don't know Jesus. You're like, Pastor, you don't know me. My life's a wreck. So was mine many, many years ago. And he rescued me and cleaned me up. And he changed me from the inside out. If he can do it for me, people, I'm telling you, he can do it for anyone. I was a mess. And if you're here today, yes, the storms are going to come. And I'm telling you, you're not going to make it if Jesus is not your Lord. Lord of your life, not just believe that he's God, but that he becomes Lord, King of your heart. If you're here today and you're away from him, running from him, rebelling from him, or you're here today, you've never asked him to be your Lord. Can I just ask you, would you raise your hand and say, Pastor, that's me. Today, I want to give my heart to Jesus. All across this room, Pastor, today, I want to give my heart to Jesus. Thank you, Lord. I want to surrender my life to you, Lord. I'm tired of playing games. I'm tired of doing life my way. Today, I come back to you. 